Welcome to Common Ground Church, Rwandabosh, a community based in Cape Town, South Africa, who believe that if Jesus is who he says he is, that changes everything. Our sermon podcast aims to unpack this reality, rooted in scripture and dependent on God's Spirit. Every now and again, we pause our series to hear from our pastors on what God is pressing on them in this current moment. Please continue listening for today's message. Great. Good evening, everybody. Good to be with you guys tonight. And uh, I'm not sure if you received a text. If you're a Bosch member, you would have received a text. But tonight is my last opportunity to speak to us as a church. Because next weekend, we've got my friend Masala, who's one of the leaders coming uh, to the Africa conference this week. And he's going to be preaching next Sunday. And we're hopefully going to have eldership ordinations, which I'll speak about in a moment next Sunday. So there's going to be a lot happening next week. Then all of of the elders and families go away for a weekend. Then the following Thursday night, I fly out to Kenya uh, to serve in a church there for four days on my way to a leadership conference in the UK for four days towards a UK leaders conference the next two days. Then I fly to Cyprus to a gathering of church leaders for four days. And then I'm on sabbatical. Now, why do, yay, for those people who are stoked for sabbatical, What is sabbatical? What is sabbatical? We believe that God put rest, rhythms of rest and soul restoration in place. And so we do that every week. We Sabbath. But then from time to time, we in the context of the church, about 15, 13, 14 years ago, put a kind of policy or rhythm in place based on some reading we had done and some trends that we had seen. Did you know that of the people who study to be involved in ministry and graduate from seminary, one out of 10 of them retire in ministry, one out of 10. And we know the measures of compromise and pressure and those kinds of things uh, that we see all around us in the context of people in, in paid ministry and the dangers of that. And so we believe it's right to regularly give ourselves to rhythms of rest and soul care and those kinds of things. So we're gonna be out then for the rest of the year doing exactly that. And we wanna thank this community and the leaders of the community for releasing us to that and goss up for one of those next year. And you'll hear more about that in time. But we believe this is a, a thing that is right to do in the rhythms of a spiritual community. So tonight, a couple of things to tend to in my last moment of being able to share. The first one is, and I'm gonna ask you to not clap or cheer in this moment, but next Sunday, it is our hope and intention to lay hands on Ian and to see him recommissioned and reordained to be an elder in this church. For those of you who haven't been here, I wanna quickly bring you up to speed. Uh, The first week of February this year, Ian, who uh, has been one of the elders in the church for a long time, gave lead to the leadership team historically here in Bosch PM. Uh, Laura, under the conviction of the Spirit, as Ian was preaching about being a people of the truth, she brought some stuff to Ian and to us as a leadership team saying, hey, I thought I was going to my grave with this stuff, but actually there's some areas of compromise from our early years of marriage and I need to bring those into the light. It was the kind of stuff that, that rocks the ship substantially, right? And so they brought that to us as a leadership team and we felt it was right at that time to see Ian stepping off the eldership team to focus on the marriage, to bring restoration there, to remove the pastoral expectation and the leadership expectation from them as a couple and from him as an elder in the church and for us to allow grace to flow towards their life without an expectation of grace flowing from their lives to others. And that was right to do. And there was a period of about five months where they were in a focus restoration uh, journey and, and, and season. And guys, I just want to publicly again commend them. I have personally not seen a couple throw themselves on the mercies of God with such uh, wholeheartedness and transparency and willingness to just submit their lives to leaders and to the journey and to counsel. And they have done fantastically in this journey. And so in July, end of July, I stood up here and I said, guys, that season of focus restoration is coming to an end. We're now entering a season of requalification where we're gonna start to load the truck a little bit more and give leadership assignments to Ian. 
And he's been a real gift to us through this uh, God and Sexuality series as he's spoken to a number of those things. And so we as an eldership team, along with the deacons that we've already roped in, along with two external voices that we've said, hey, won't you give us an external perspective of this, would like to come commend them to the church. And so today is not about the cheering moment. Uh, Today is the weighing moment. And so I wanna invite you, if you're a member of Common Ground Church, to go to two passages of scripture, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, and go look at the qualifications of elders. And won't you look through those, and if you have any biblical reason, or if you're aware of anything that we're not aware of, won't you move towards us as elders by this Wednesday, if you feel like there's any concern that we need to be enough, that we need to know about before getting to that moment of, of ordaining in onto the eldership team again. It's my hope that next Sunday we will be a community that has done well with regards to honoring scripture and the emphasis of scripture and how to do these kinds of things well, but that we would do great in celebrating the work of the gospel in this couple's life and that we'll be able to stand here cheering them on and applauding the grace and the goodness of God to them and through them to us as a community. Can I leave that with you, church? Great, that's next Sunday. Now, today I am excited to be speaking to you. They gave me an open brief. What a dangerous thing to do, right? But I, I, I thought about this and I prayed about this and, and I just wanna say, I've listened to a number of sermons in my life. A number, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like a lot, a lot, a lot. And I would say that most probably one of the most meaningful sermons or moments of engaging the Scriptures that I had in my entire life was when I was about 21 or 22 years age, of age and I was sitting in this kind of church building that was small kind of that quarter, that was about how big the church building on this property originally was. And Rigby went to Genesis chapter 12 and he spoke to us about the Abrahamic covenants. And I remember we, we then engaged with that text or I did personally for weeks after that. And it was amazing to see this passage of scripture speak identity and purpose and understanding and security and vision to my life in a way that I most probably hadn't encountered before that moment. And so tonight I wanna bring us to this passage of Scripture. And I want us to look at what does it mean to be a people, a people of the Abrahamic covenant? What does it mean for us to be a called out people who are blessed to be a blessing? What does it mean for us to walk in covenant identity? And tonight we don't have time to unpack covenant or identity, but go and do word studies on both of those words. The truth is that this means these are matters that are lasting. These are enduring matters of deep importance to the very core of who we are. And I can remember for us as a community, that wasn't just a word spoken into my life, but that was a word spoken into this church. And for the years that this church has been in existence, this has been at the heart of who we understand God has called us to be. And it's my hope tonight to not just rah-rah us as a church. That would be a fail. It's in my heart tonight that, I, that we would see spirit amongst us and at work causing the deepest penity, pennies of identity and purpose to drop in your life and in ours collectively as a community. That God would get hold of people who I believe just in my own prayer time are longing for an understanding of why God has placed you on this planet and what God may want to do in you and through you I felt like as I was praying, there's some people that are just kind of feeling a little bit lost and and are wondering and are kind of going, is it worth it, this whole thing called life? And a few people that are longing deeply for, for clarity to come to their lives and for them to be, in a sense, set on track for what it is that they are called to do with their one and only lives. And I wanna trust God that He would speak to you tonight 
as we look to these matters. I feel like it's important for us to do this for a couple of other reasons. For us as a church, we've been through numbers of battles in the last three years. COVID battles, financial challenges, theological grapples, culture wars, leadership setbacks, so many things. And as we emerge out of that, I don't want us to be a people who kind of just become in, inward focus. But I wanna again raise our gaze to who the church is called to be in God's eyes. Not trying to build the kingdom of common ground. No, not at all. But a reminder of the promises to us based on the most ancient of promises to all of God's people. And hopefully then we can live in that and live that out. Secondly, after everything we've been through, a tendency within the context of the church when the pressure's on or tough times come or you experience a little bit of persecution is to rally the wagons, right? In safety and protection. Do you understand the metaphor? When they were going across the plains, they'd rally the, the, the wagons. You know that thing? Okay, anyway. Or button down the hatches because the storms of life are upon the church. Let's close and lock everything up, close all the windows and doors. Or what about a jacuzzi picture? Let's just get in the bubbles of being focused on each other. Yay, me and my friends, we're all here. It's so lovely. It's so comfortable. And yet we in each of those things lose out on being the very people God's called us to be who are not meant to just be focused on each other, who are never meant to close the doors, who are always meant to be serving beyond themselves. If you want a provocative title for my sermon tonight, here it is, not another damn church. Let's be a river church. Let's allow, <laughs> let's allow. You guys like what I did there? Yeah, yeah. But let's allow God's purposes to not just flow to us, His grace and His blessing to flow to us, but to flow through us. And that's gonna stick. That's gonna stick in moments where I wanna call you not to be another damn Christian, right? And I want that to stick in your mind. And I want you to think, no, God has called me to be a river Christian for my life to be a conduit. You were using such big words, Garth, earlier. One of the deacons, Jen Crombie, you might know her, she came to speak to me a couple of months ago. She said, Ryan, it's been so long since you've told us of the things that we're involved in as a church. Why don't you again just tell us of where we're involved? I know our church is doing lots of things to bless beyond ourselves and all that kind of stuff, but we've just been talking about tough stuff theologically and COVID and rah. Why don't you just raise our gaze? And so thanks to Jen Crombie, part of this is due to her that we would have the joy of being able to be a people who get to participate in the purposes of God. So let's look at this covenant identity dynamic. Genesis chapter 12, just the first four voice verses. We're gonna look at that. Not the first four voices, but verses. I've had a whole day of being incredibly tongue twisted. I'll tell you later of a few of the funny ones from this morning. We read Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, who later becomes renamed Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. This is not an encouragement to anyone who's thinking of immigrating. <laughs> and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So what happens? So Abraham went and the Lord, as the Lord had told him. What a promise, right? What a promise. What a, a moment of undeserved grace. What a moment of, of this person, so undeserving as he was. We know this about him. Abraham is completely undeserving by way of who he was. He was not a God-fearing man. He was a Chaldean, a moon worshiper. He was not a particularly character-filled man. We know that as we see the rest of his story unfolding. There's nothing kind of special about him. There's no strength in him that draws God towards him. Think about this for a moment in the economic kind of realities of, those, of that world. He was nomadic. Their people were nomadic. He had no land of his own. 
His wife was barren. He had no chance of being, in a sense, to, to provide an, a, 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 a lineage. There we go. I was looking for that. I shouldn't use hand gestures. A, a lineage, right? He was, wasn't able to, to, to provide and, and kind of, in the kind of economics of his time, he was destitute and without hope in so many ways. And yet God steps in. God steps in in undeserved grace. He picks him out and he chooses to say, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing and I will give you an inheritance. This Christ follower is my story and yours. Abraham foreshadows the gospel. God moving towards an undeserving people and choosing them and pouring his life and his goodness into them. Abraham's life teaches us though, that this inheritance and this blessing comes when we walk in obedience to God. This promise that God calls him to is a promise that requires faith. And we see uh, all the way in kind of Hebrews, then they speak back of the faith that this required and how they inherited the promise through their faith. And I was deeply challenged. I'm not sure about you, but I, I was deeply challenged last week as Carl was speaking in our Garden Sexuality series and he was saying, hey, we should all be making radical calls with regards to the followership of Jesus and self-denial in different areas when it comes to our sexuality. But what? We should be in great company within the people of God because we all are called to be a people of radical self-sacrifice to serving King Jesus in our lives. And I was deeply challenged as I called brothers and sisters to deep sacrifice and, and God orientation over self orientation. I've got to say to myself, where's that happening in my own life? And freshly received that challenge. Here's the good news of Abram's story though, is that God chooses to say, hey, out of your obedience and faith, there is promise. There is promise there. God would bless him, give him an inheritance and make him a blessing to others, which we're gonna unpack in a minute. But maybe you're asking, but what has this got to do with my life? Here's this Chaldean kind of moon worshiping dude from thousands of years ago. What is God moving towards him and speaking promise over his life got to do with my life today? And the truth is that the scriptures, as we go look at it, particularly in the New Testament, speak to us that actually those promises were not just spoken to Abraham, but even in that moment through Abraham to one Abraham to the nation of Israel. And we know these blessed to be a blessing promises still today are held very dearly by the Jewish people. Through Abraham to, Abraham means father. And that's where we get this song, Father Abraham from, right? but he was the patriarch of a people. He was the father of a people. That's what patriarch also means, the father. And he was the father of this people. And so the promises to Abraham are not just for him, but for the people that, that, that come through him and through his lineage. And then the New Testament tells us that not only was it for him and for the people, but it also had Jesus in mind that Jesus himself would be one who was blessed by God to be a blessing. And through him, the nations of the world would be blessed. And then we jump even forward to a fourth category and that's what interacts with your life and mine. If you're a Christ follower, scripture tells us that this promise didn't just have him and them and Jesus, but it had us in mind. Listen to this scripture from Galatians 3 verse seven. Knowing then that it is those of faith who are the sons and daughters of Abraham. And in the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, in other words, the non-Jewish people by faith. He preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham saying, in you shall all of the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That's you, that's me. These promises are for Abraham and for the, Israel, the, the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel, and it's for Jesus and it's for us. 
And I love the way the New Testament kind of unpacks these promises to us in power. And I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how does this affect my life today as a Christ follower? What does it mean for me to live in light of these truths? Firstly, that God promises blessing. Galatians 3 carries on and it says this, Christ, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us, for it is written, cursed is anyone who hanged on a tree. And Kate did so wonderfully in calling us to worship out of the great themes of the gospel of what Christ has done for us. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. This is one of those words that I got tongue twisted on this morning and it wasn't pretty. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. See, part of the blessing we receive as God's people is that we are no longer under condemnation. Romans 12 says that we now are positioned in, sorry, Romans 5, in grace. That is where we stand, is in grace. Son and daughter of the Most High King, do you recognize that your position despite you and your shortcomings, if you've thrown yourself on the mercies of God and declared Him King and received His salvation, your position is in grace. What a great blessing. You don't need to doubt at any point. Secondly, we are welcomed by God. We are welcomed into His presence. We are welcomed into His plans. We are welcomed into His purposes. And thirdly, here in that, spirit, uh, in that text, it speaks about that we may receive the promised Spirit through faith. See, we receive the Spirit, the, the, the third person of the Godhead, living and active in our lives, guiding us, leading us, empowering us. And importantly, why do we need the Spirit? For communion with God, it's His great desire to be God and for us to be His people and for Him to be Emmanuel, God with us. That has been his declaration throughout the ages that he would be God with us. And now we get the privilege of that by the Spirit. But also I think it's important for us to recognize that the Spirit is only needed in the brokenness of our world today. See, if we were ready with God fully, the Spirit would not need to dwell in us and be counselor and comforter and guide to us. But here's the equation that so many people get wrong. Importantly, nowhere does God say that the promise of blessing equals an ease of life. As we know, Jesus promised that following Him would be very hard at times. But He promised that He would always be with us. Abraham knew this. He knew this as God told him to give up family and give up context and give up heritage of where he was and go. But God said, as you go, I promise I will go with you. I will show you. I will go with you. And that's what the Spirit does. He makes the presence and the guidance of God known to us. In this week, Ian's been speaking in a few of our different meetings where he's been saying, guys, I've grown in my personal conviction out of my personal experience that the hard thing is sometimes the very best thing that God has for us. And that often the blessing of God is made evident to us in the hard space. See, when things are all going peachy, I don't find myself drawing near to God in the same dependent kind of way. I don't find myself relying on Him and longing for more of His presence. But man, in the tough stuff, I, I find myself longing and aching and wanting more of Him. And it is good. His presence is a blessing to my life. And so often His presence is found in the fire. And he's speaking from his personal experience. This is true, contrary to popular opinion. Hard is not always equal to bad. I've got to help my teenage kids understand this, right? Hard is not always equal to bad. And I want to speak to us just for a moment to recognize that often hard is where the blessings of God are experienced. God promises that He will be with us. We bless because we're no longer under condemnation. We are blessed because He's with us, present with us. We bless because His Spirit lives in us. And God promises that He will go with us. 
Secondly, Genesis 12 speaks about God's promise of an inheritance. The Lord, the Lord had said to Abraham, go to the land I will show you. Now that doesn't sound like much to us, right? But we see how important this is in the rest of the, of the text and the scriptures as we see throughout the scriptures, the people of God longing for a place of their own, longing for a land, that land that God had promised that's flowing with milk and honey. And still today, we as the people of God long for that promised land. We still yet to inherit it fully. And the Old Testament story tells all of those stories, but we also know the Old Testament story tells us over and over and over again that their hearts stray from obeying God and they don't come into the promised land of God. See, it's only Joshua and Caleb out of the whole original people of God that come out of Egypt that actually inherited the land because they were a different spirit. They were of a different spirit. They were the only ones not to lose hope and faith in the plans and the purposes of God in the face of opposition and giants. And they were the only ones who cling to the promises of God. And so they become the only ones to go into the promised land to inherit and the book of Joshua describes the story and it says so powerfully how they came into their inheritance because it required obedience and courage and perseverance, all three of which come out of a place of an enduring faith that God's plans and purposes are the very best things for them to pursue. So Christfather, I wanna ask you today, Cape Tonian, young person who has FOMO, I want to ask you, I have seen this equation happen in my own life. My tendency to want to keep my options open so that in the right moment, I can choose the very best. Do I apply that to my spiritual followership of God? Or do I deeply believe in a way that requires courage and perseverance and obedience that the purposes of God are the very best things for me to pursue with my one and only life? Because here's the equation. When we kind of keep the smallest board approach of like, hey, maybe sometimes towards our spirituality is we will not inherit the promises that we so long for. That's the equation. If we are not Caleb-spirited in our followership of God, which requires obedience and perseverance and courage, all birthed out of a faith that God's plans and purposes are the very best things that we should be pursuing with our lives. If we don't do that, we don't inherit the promise. And so then we find ourselves kind of sitting there going, hey man, this God-followership thing is not nearly as hashtag blessed as I thought it was gonna be. Do you see the, the catch-22 you see people like a friend of ours who left this community, one of our single ladies who had climbed to the very top tier in F&B in, in this country. And she was sitting at, at that kind of directorship level within a huge banking institution. And she gave it all up. And she said, I realised that my ladder's on the wrong wall and God's calling me to the pursue his purposes more wholeheartedly. And this is not anti-corporate or anti-work. But she said, I feel God's called me to serve the Muslim people of this world. And for three years, she, she studied culture and language and all those kinds of things. And for the last five years, she's been living and working in Northern Kenya, reaching out to the unreached Muslim population, Somali people and often risks her very life in convoys getting out of dangerous situations because God has placed her to be there. And Louise Henley is a modern day embodiment of a Caleb spirit in our age. She's saying, hey, if I wanna inherit the promises that I've been blessed to be a blessing to the very nations of the worlds, then I need to enduringly, with perseverance and courage and obedience, pursue the purposes and the plans of God for my life. The book of Joshua is a powerful read. I encourage you to go and read it. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work heartedly as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. 
Are we serving the Lord Christ, church? Not for men. That includes yourself. We are not working for ourselves or for others. We must recognize that we are serving the Lord Christ. Christ follow a common grounder. We are Abraham's seed. We have a promise of blessing. We have a promise of an inheritance in this world and the next. But it requires an obedience for us to walk in it and inherit it. A Caleb and Joshua spirit to pursue these things. And then here's the third promise in the Abrahamic covenants that God promises to make us. His people, a blessing to others. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So that you will be a blessing. Here's my question to you. The next time some kind of form of blessing comes to your life, I want you to consider this. So that what? So that what? The Lord provides this great new opportunity for you to get a job promotion. So that what? So that you may be a greater blessing in other ways to the people in that place, to the management responsibility, to the job opportunity, to the blessing that comes to your life so that you can be another damn Christian. No, so that you may participate in seeing that grace, that blessing flow through you to others. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. This is the identity that God speaks over our lives as Christ follows. We are Abraham's seed and this promise is in us and to us and through us. This is vital for us as a church. See, I love watching the dynamics of the Ark of the Covenant. Go and read in the Old Testament. The Ark of the Covenant, for those of you who are newer to the Scriptures, is pretty much this box where the representative presence of God dwells amongst God's people for a stage in history before going into the temple, before coming into us, the new temples of His presence. And as this box moves, it's this powerful picture of the presence of God coming to families and households. And as the box comes into their home, blessing comes upon that place. And as it moves into a new region, blessing comes upon that place. And guess what? As we today live, you and I, we are modern day arcs of the covenant. The presence of God lives within us. And as you go into your place of work or into your friendship group or into where God has placed you, you too should see blessing coming to those places. Find myself coming to the robots and asking myself, uh, um, coming to the robot and there's a, a guy who, I speak too often and as I get there, I'm not very inclined to often give to people at the robots for a whole bunch of reasons of why helping can sometimes hurt and all that kind of stuff. But Spirit just speaks to me and says, Ryan, today, why Lord? What's the words that come into my mind? Blessed to be a blessing. That Abrahamic covenant sometimes overrides wisdom. And let's just, let's be a blessing. When we put this foundation, when we put the foundations of this building up, we were so set on it not being for us, but for the worlds, that we, each one of us in the church at the time, wrote people's names of people that we were trusting God would see come to know Him. And in the foundations, somewhere, I think it's somewhere over there, in the foundations of this very building are names of people who we are trusting God would reach through this tool for a task. A venue like this is not for us to have more comfortable church. It is so that we can multiply the blessing of God that has come to us, through us, to many other people. Blessed to be a blessing is an identity for us as modern day arcs of the covenant wherever we go. I love thinking of each of you in that way. Look around the room. Think of how the presence of God goes into our city this week. Matthew 5 and verse 16, Jesus says, let your good deeds shine before people so that they may glorify me. So that they may glorify me. Let your good deeds shine wherever God has put you so that people may glorify God. I hope that we can avoid as a people the great mistake that almost all Christians throughout all times have made throughout the ages, which is to become fixated on the blessings of God towards us and miss out on maximizing the beautiful opportunity of God's blessings 
through us. We will not be that kind of church. We're called to be a river. See, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. And we gotta ask ourselves, do we believe him? Do we believe him? Much of the blessing I believe that he has for us comes through us as we find ourselves living in that reality. My prayer, my hope for us as a church is that we would be a Caleb-spirited people and that we would find ourselves living in these realities so that all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we wanna today come and thank you for this beautiful reality. Spirit, we invite you right now, even as we pause and as our eyes are closed to beautifully and powerfully just come and affirm and confirm your work. Trust God tonight that this would not just be the voice of leadership or Ryan, but God, this would be the very oracles of God, your words being spoken to sons and daughters, to those that are maybe even far off, calling them to come near is a God who loves you, is a God who has sought you out and seen fit for you to be in this room tonight, is a God that wants to pour out His lavish and full and final work of salvation upon you. He wants to give you a righteousness which is not your own and receive your sinfulness and deal with it at the cross. And He wants to put your life to purpose and He wants to bless you and He wants to make you a blessing to many others. God, I pray that you would do a deep work amongst us. Individually, that you would minister to us, speak to us, cause us to be a people that walk in this identity and purpose. And God, make us a church that lives this out collectively. We pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. Amen. So you would think I'm done, but I'm clearly not. What I'm gonna do in the remaining time that I have this evening, and we are gonna take a, a, still a little bit of time here, is we're gonna to speak to some of the ways that we as, it's, as a kind of collective are living this out into the worlds. And I don't wanna do this as a kind of self-congratulation exercise, that's not at all it. I know all of these things and I have no need to tell you of these things other than to invite you into these things. And so we wanna kind of start at a global level and say, where are we as a church being that blessing? If this is in the very DNA of who we are, how are we living in that out? And what could it look like for you to get involved in that? And the first thing I wanna do is I wanna start globally with church strengthening. See, our church is connected to a movement of churches, the Africa Conference that we're hosting right here in this room this week is African leaders from around the, 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 the continent. But there's about 140 churches around the world. We haven't put all the churches in India and Nepal on this because uh, one, knowing exactly where they pinpointed is hard enough. Two, there are some security concerns with regards to uh, identifying exactly where they are. But this is a snapshot off the website. Each of those red things, and there's about 35 in the UK there and a bunch more you can see down there in, Af in South Africa, represents about 140 advanced partner churches around the world. And we get the great blessing of partnering with these churches and being a blessing into the world and around the world. And every month, 10% of what is given in to this church flows through this church to those churches and many other contexts where we're able to be blessed, to be a blessing through gospel advance initiatives around the world. Specifically, we've worked with nations over the years like Lesotho and Malawi and India, and more recently, the, the nations that we've been focused on, well, Madagascar's been pretty enduring, has been Madagascar. We've sent student and youth camps and medical teams and leadership conferences and church strengthening visit, visits. Josh and Kyle and a team, is it just you guys? Is there just the, those two guys are going to Madagascar at the end of the month. I was there at the beginning of last month. I worked out last night just a quick sketch that we've sent over 40 teams to Madagascar over the last 20 years to go bless and strengthen that nation. And there's seven Malagasy people who are coming. Um, 
they're going to be here for the conference, friends of ours. We've been working to Kenya. Obviously, you heard about Louise in northern Kenya, but also into One Tribe Church uh, in Nairobi, Kenya, Rigby and myself particularly, and strengthening in that context. And then Zim. Zim has been a nation that's been on our heart for years. We've got a key deacon couple that's relocating back to Zim after many years and feeling God stirring some things for how can we uh, be there with kingdom purpose. In, in 2020, we had a whole families ministry team. There were going to be about seven or eight families that were going on a mission to Zim and then COVID. So these are some of the nations that we work into and, and we love to see teams going. And why am I telling you this? Because I want you to think about how your life could potentially sign up to be a part of one of these moments. And we'll tell you more about trips and things like that happening next year. But here's the great thing about it's more blessed to give than receive. My personal experience after going on dozens of these kinds of trips is that God does way more in here than He does out there. When we go on these trips, man, we're a drop in the ocean, but it is, it's good for us to do that. But what God does in our lives is way more than a drop in the ocean in our own lives. And so I'd love to see lots of teams going. And if you can't go, why not send someone else? But we've also been involved over the years and continue to be in church planting and strengthening. In 25 years of this church's existence, I've seen us plant the other, well, seven of the other common ground churches in Cape Town. We've planted out people to East London, Ingevuma, Hong Kong, Melbourne, Madagascar, and the UK to go and plant churches in those places. We've sent leaders like Paul and Lee and Carl and Mish to the inner city and John and Kelly to go and take over the youth at Constantiaburg and Brandon to Hillcrest and Voldu to Cornerstone and Joburg and then to plant a church in Paul and Dylan to go lead in Dubai, lead youth in Dubai and Caleb and Kathleen to serve in DC and America. Why do I tell you all of this? Again, not because it's an impressive list of people because when I read this list, my question is, who's next? Who's next? Who are the next couples of these kinds of people who God's got hold of their lives and sent them out with purpose? I remember sitting in a meeting like this when a leader, in a way almost as simple as I'm doing tonight, said, will your life be a life that is in the hands of God or will you always hold your hands in your life? And that shifted something for me. I remember saying yes to King Jesus in that moment and signing up to a life of His purposes being outworked. And that doesn't mean ministry. Don't believe that lie. Right where you are in your place of work, God can use you for radical purpose. I believe some of the best Christians on mission are people in their places of work, not necessarily just in ministry. So who could be next? But here's, when it comes to leadership, three words that have been spoken over this community that are good for you to be aware of. Firstly, God has called us very clearly time and time again to be a base church. What does that mean? A base church, it means a church that has base. In other words, it's got, not base in like music base, but a base out of which you can disproportionately sow and give and resource and send. And so we will always be a base church. We will always be a disproportionately sowing and sending church. That's part of the DNA of this church out of this Genesis 12, blessed to be a blessing dynamic. Second word that God's spoken over us is that we will be a, a leadership hothouse that again and again, many of you in the room are part of this crowd, but I've seen it now for numerous years. Fantastic people coming from around the country to study at one of the fine tertiary edu education institutions here in Cape Town. God getting hold of their lives, them coming to a greater understanding of the gospel, saying, yes, I want to count for Jesus and them, them being sent to all kinds of places in the world. That is part of the purposes of God for us as a community. And we want to participate in that. And that's why every year we invest in finding a handful of student interns that we can say, hey, we want to put you on mission to reach more students. Go for it on the campuses and get out there and be involved because God's called us to be a leadership hothouse where we pour extra effort into and create environment for leaders to be raised and recognized and deployed and recommissioned. And then the third one is a, is a, is a tougher one, a harder one. God spoke to us through two prophetic words that we would be a place where Nehemiah 4 burnt stones 
are able to be received. Burnstone speaks of leaders who've been bruised or battered or fallen in ministry. And we would be a place where those burnt stones are replaced in the wall for purpose. Go and read the story in Nehemiah 4, but pretty much uh, Jeremiah and the boys, they're all working and there's lots of things happening and it's not Jeremiah, Nehemiah, sorry. Nehemiah and the guys, they're busy working and, and one of these guys, I can't remember his name, but he wasn't very nice. He kind of, you get the picture, he's sitting on the wall and he's like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna reuse, like the walls of Jerusalem have been down. He's like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna use these burnt stones to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem? Ha, 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 you fools. It's kind of the sentiment you get. And they say, yeah, God's called us to build. And, they, and then it says, and they built the wall in a very short time because God had given them a heart to build. And what are they using? They're using the burnt stones the kind of broken fabric to rebuild God's purposes. And we felt God say that over us, that we would be a place where battered, bruised and fallen leaders are able to be received and restored and requalified and redeployed for kingdom purpose. And we have done that many times and we will continue to do that as a church and as a community. Practically, we give all our resources away. There's a little website called Common Resources, which we created a couple of years ago, which just allows churches around the world to use anything that we put together for the blessing of their church. A couple of weeks ago, I found out in one week that there was a church in, uh, a church in India, a church in East London, and a church in Washington, D.C. that were all preaching sermon series that we had preached a couple of years ago. And what's so beautiful about that is I know some of those leaders. And they're guys that because of economic realities are having to work three, four days in the marketplace and then lead their church one or two days. And man, we've got the privilege of a base of great preachers and teachers who are putting resources together. And those guys are like, Lord, help me lead my people well. Lord, where do you want us to go? And then there's ready kind of content for them to just internalize and lead their people with. What a blessing to the very ends of the worlds. This week we get to host, we get to use this facility. Uh, I'm so grateful to all the people who have, have opened up their homes. We've got over 40 of the people that are coming out of the 250 are being hosted in homes uh, of this community. This year, this facility will be used by the Message Trust and Focus on the Family and One Life Church and the Arise Adoption Agency and many other Christian organizations that we just saying, hey, this is a tool for a task and we'd love to strengthen your ministry through it. This is what it means to be blessed, to be a blessing. And you're a part of it. We also feel like contextually here in South Africa, we cannot be the kind of church that is experienced in the same way as some church in Norway. The dynamics of God calling us to be blessed, to be a blessing towards the poor and the marginalized in our context is, is not periphery, but it needs to be central and has been central in this church for many years. And so I wanna draw your attention to two things that we're involved in. We're gonna watch uh, two little video clips that are, again, things we're a part of that allow you as the community to get involved, to volunteer, to underwrite, to participate in because this is what God has called us to be. So let's watch this first Common Good video. For those of you who don't know Common Good, in 2005, we started a separate NGO, uh, which God has called us to kind of get behind and it's focused on early life and employment and education. And it's grown and God's using it in the city to re-script education in certain areas to non-fee paying schools and all kinds of good stuff. Let's watch this quick video about this. At Common Good, we are giving our best to see a new story being written in South Africa. By focusing on addressing the social giants in early life, education and employment, we are seeing potential being released and futures shifting. Here are some encouraging stories of our work this year. There exists a powerful opportunity to see young children get a strong start to life. And we believe that the church is well positioned and equipped to see that happen. Sukunia is working with hundreds of churches across the nation to equip them to care for and support families so that their children reach their God-given potential. My church has changed. Now it's got the space for mothers. Through home visiting, I've seen mothers go through from losing hope to gaining hope. Attending one of um, Sukunia webinars, I would say it equipped me personally. When we focus on the beginning of the story, we can change the whole story. 
And this is all about local churches being on mission and seeing children in their first thousand days get the foundations they need for future success. Zamakanyo means bringing light in Isikosa, and that is what we see happening in our work readiness program. TZN helped me to know how to plan about my future. I know how to create a professional CV and I have confidence. So the work readiness course changed the way I behave in the community, around the people and in the workplace because now I have integrity. Our employment initiative has faced some challenges this year, but we are committed to seeing more and more of these stories of transformation. With a much smaller team, we continue to offer work readiness training and are partnering with like-minded entities to see our offering being replicated into communities far and wide. At Common Good, we believe that excellent education should be within reach of every child. And we work within no-fee-paying schools to see transformation from within. We ensure the schools are functioning well and provide instructional coaching for teachers. I've been at Boundary since 1993, so I've seen a lot of change since then particularly since we started partnering with Common Good. Not only has the curriculum changed, but the way we teach as well. I'm in awe of being coached. I've been a teacher for so long, but what I'm learning and experiencing now can't compare to before. I'm so happy with my metric results. Through hard work, determination, and the dedication of my teachers, I was able to achieve five subject distinctions. A very huge thank you to Common Good for the role you played and the opportunity I had to learn and succeed at the Comfort. This impact within these schools is lasting. Learner outcomes are improving now and future classes will have access to high quality teaching and learning environments. I've learned a lot about what good looks like, how to identify the gap, where we are and where we should be. I've become a better leader through instructional leadership coaching. We want to thank you for your partnership over the years. Your backing has made so much of our work possible. And despite the sometimes overwhelming stories around us, we know we are not alone. Your support has meant that we can see change that transforms and impact that lasts across our city, our province and our country. I love the story of, I'm not sure if you can show us the, that uh, guy with the white shirt right at the end, but his name's Pastor Fati, that, that's him there. Um, and beautiful story, he got connected into our network of relationships through some leadership training that was happening a few years ago, and he went through like a two-year church leadership training curriculum. Over that time, he became aware of uh, Sekunya and what they were doing with early life, and they then trained some people in their community to be activators to help equip mothers to understand the vital reality uh, realities of how important the first thousand days of a child's life is. That went so well that they then said, can't we get people um, kind of in to come and do job readiness training? And that picture that you saw of a whole bunch of people being trained in a kind of large shack is their church building. And they've been training people for job readiness in, in their facility and having Silicumva kind of early life activators. And he's a, an advanced partner church and will be at conference this week. But a beautiful overlap of the ecosystem of different things that we're involved in, strengthening local communities like Mufaleni. So brilliant to see just something of his, of his story. Every month, the joy we have as a community is that we give 10% of our, whatever comes in, we give out to remembering the poor in this city. So 10% to gospel advance, 10% to remembering the poor through a lot of these initiatives and things like that. And once again, you are shareholders and, and stakeholders in what's happening there. There's a team of, of common gooders in the foyer. If you want to find out what does it mean to use your life and maybe some of the time, talent and treasure that you have to serve the purposes of this team into the city and, and the good that they're doing. Why don't you go and speak to some of those guys? I also was sitting in a board meeting this last Tuesday where we recognised that there's about an 800,000 rand deficit between now and the end of the year to deliver on all of the projects that we're involved in. And as we were speaking kind of financially, it became very clear and apparent stuff we've known and spoken about, but 
but the last kind of few years have been incredibly hard in the kind of donor fundraising space and the economics of these things are, are definitely down. And so we haven't taken up an offering towards that for a few years now because of those realities and a few of the donor kind of consistencies have, have dropped a bit and so there is a faith gap there. They're not in trouble, but there's a faith gap in being able to deliver on these things. And as I sat there and I, I was like, we as a church have been blessed to be a blessing. That's the kind of thing that we can help take care of. So I commend that to you. And maybe you want to find out more about how to do that. And they're all section 18A and CSI compliant and all that kind of stuff. So maybe it's your business or maybe it's, it's you as a family or an individual that want to get behind helping with that gap. A second thing that's really big and central for us is bridges. I'm not sure if you, you know the story, but during COVID, um, this opportunity actually came to us. A retreat center in Franchuk that's been a ministry space for Christian camping and things like that. And these guys came to us and said, hey, the French farmer next door has offered us a, lo a lot of money for this, but we feel like we can't run this thing and we're gonna have to close it down, but we would love for it to stay in kingdom hands. And you, Common Ground, seem to use it the most could you not potentially become the longer term stewards of this facility? And so we stepped into that amazing story of how God dropped money from Durban from some person we didn't even know who happened to be on holiday in Franchuk and was like, hey, we need three million rand by Tuesday. And he, his wife was like, ah, oh, that's maybe what the money's for. And they'd sold their business and God had told them keep three million in cash. And in a moment, they were able to, in a sense, pay the money needed to get the NGO who owned it at the time uh, what they needed in the moments and some runway to get out of COVID. And this year, we, then we felt God say, this is a space that's gonna be hearts towards heaven, Christian camping over the weekends and hands towards humanity. We're gonna run uh, school experiences for kids who've never been out of their communities. And so this year we've already had 20, I think we've already had 19 of 23 school camps from some of our partner schools that have been on this site. We're gonna watch a quick video about it. This was create for, created for corporate funders. So it's not directly created for us as a church. So there's a bit of funding stuff at the end, but maybe you're a person who's sitting in a business that has got a CSI fund and this is the kind of thing you would wanna do. The good news on this is this year we funded all of those 19 camps that have already happened in common ground as a church, Bosch, we funded one of those 19 camps. And so I hope to fund two of them next year. It's about 130,000 uh, 130, rand to put 85 learners on camp from Tuesday morning to, to Thursday afternoon buses from their communities and everything included, food, accommodation, the whole program and all that kind of stuff. And we got four more of these to fund this year. And maybe that's something again that we can take care of as a community. I believe we can and, and that'll be taken care of. Going into next year, we hope to fund two of those camps. We've already got four funded and next year we hope to have 34, uh, 36 of these camps. So there's a faith gap of about 30 camps next year. But as we've seen God provide for 20 of them this year, we, we choose to believe the promise that he is breathing his life and blessing in and through these things. Let's watch this quick little video. Here at Bridges, our purpose is to provide enriching educational camp experiences for children from under-resourced communities where they develop values and life skills that will positively impact the trajectory of their lives. Through sponsorship, we offer fully funded grade five, six, and seven camps to a growing network of under-resourced primary schools in the Western Cape. The three-day, two-night action-packed program is run by our committed team of experienced Bridges facilitators. Learners return three years in a row, which allows us to develop long-term working relationships with the schools and learners are able to progress in their development each returning year. For many learners, just being in a safe environment, sleeping in their own bed and eating three meals a day is already a new experience. Every year, thousands of children, the most in need of transformational experiences, are able to leave their communities for a few days and engage in learning and growing emotionally, mentally, relationally and spiritually in the beauty of creation. We focus on developing cognitive, social, emotional, and physical skills through our program. They get to challenge themselves, try new skills and exciting activities which are not possible in a class context with many incredible opportunities to coach and mentor these learners. Our core values of courage, respect, 
trust and commitment are also taught throughout the program and learners are encouraged towards values-based decision-making. They take their new and improved skills and their better understanding of values back to their classrooms to keep building on the foundations laid at camp. We facilitate memorable life experiences, which we believe will have a lasting positive impact on the developing minds and hearts of the young people who attend, which will ultimately contribute to shaping a better future for our country. It's through your sponsorships that we are able to make the impossible happen for learners from our city's poorest schools. We are looking for partners who believe in our vision and can financially support us in stewarding this dream. Bridges Retreat Centre is a registered public benefit organisation with Section 18A status, which means that all donations are tax deductible. Visit our website bridgesretreat.co.za and go to the Education Programme and Sponsorship tab for more information, sponsorship opportunities, bank details and next steps. Partner with us in saying yes to the continued transformational impact of learners from under-resourced communities. We are taking a 100-year view on this venture and are excited about continuing to see many thousands of stories of impacted lives for generations to come. I was out at Bridges on Thursday and to, it was amazing. It's the end of a grade five camp, so these kids have come on camp for the first time. And I've, we've told you some of the stories, but some of these kids have never slept in their own beds They've never showered. One young girl took seven showers over the three days because she had never showered. What a privilege to be in a different kind of environment. And I was there and you could see they were ziggered. They'd been on camp for three days, right? They finished. And yet there was such a, a sense of just seeing this contentment in so many of these young lives. And I found myself getting a bit teary as I thought about the fact that God has chosen to, for my life and our life as a church to intersect with those lives. Two years ago, I would have never even considered this or thought about this, but God's brought this to us and we've said yes to this opportunity and to this stewardship because God has called us to be blessed and blessed us to be a blessing beyond ourselves. So four things that you could potentially do as a response to this. One, I want us to pray. I want you to pray and say, God, where does my life and the blessings that I've received in every kind of way, spiritual and physical and, and financial, and where does my life need to flow towards? Pray. The second thing is I wanna invite you, if you're not a person that has got involved in the life of this community in any kind of way, that's where it starts. Not because this is gonna be a damn church and that's the end of it, no, but because we're a river church and there's so many ways that we get involved and, and through numbers of initiatives like these and McCorney and all of the different programs we're involved in. So where are you involved? So pray, get involved. One specific ask on that, I want us to put a picture up of these guys. I didn't say this this morning because I think this is more geared at some people sitting in this room. Can we put the picture of Blake and Rachel up if we've got the Tucker family? These guys live in Madagascar. They were a part of the leadership team of our Constantiaberg congregation for a number of years. And uh, we then had some conversations and they felt God stirring their hearts to relocate from Constantiaberg, the leafy suburbs of Constantiaberg, into Antananarivo, one of the poorest cities in the world. And they've relocated, they've got four kids. They're a fantastic, very energetic family. They planted a church, the church is going well. There's a number of things happening in the life of the church. And one of uh, our Durbanville kind of students, when she finished studying, went over for six months, lived with them as a family, ran kids ministry and got involved in the life of the church. And her life, Natalie's life into that community was such a blessing to that church and to that family. And when I was recently, with them, they were like, Ryan, one of the things that has been a real blessing to us is, is, is when Natalie came for those six months. And were there to be other people who wanted to take a, a gap period and come and serve in a different context in a different nation, we'd be up for hosting them and putting them to work. So it's not an all pay job, let me be clear. It's a ministry experience, which includes living with the ministry family and participating in running ministries in the life of the church and seeing what God is doing in a different nation. If that's you, come and speak to one of us as leaders and we'd love to put you in touch. Blake uh, and one of the other elders from their church, Yandri, are going to be here at conference this week and maybe we can start a conversation there. 
The, the third thing, what I, I, so pray, volunteer, get involved, whatever that second one is. The third one is be regular and faithful in your giving. We've spoken about this a few times, but the reality is that if a third of our church is regular and faithful in their giving, then we're living in a third of the strength and muscle of being able to be a blessing beyond ourselves that we're currently living in. And that's a discipleship crisis. We've said that many times. Jesus says this is a discipleship crisis because how we spend our money shows who we are serving with our lives. And so we need to say, hey, if I'm not serving Christ and His purpose in those ways, that's something I need to address. And we wanna encourage you to be a people that are giving regularly and faithfully. That's the ongoing discipleship dynamic. And then the last one, and we haven't done this for a few years, but I, I feel like it's important for us to do, yet, do so. It's been lean years economically through the COVID season and things like that. And next year, we wanna continue supporting our Langer congregation. We wanna continue uh, getting student interns. We wanna continue having seed bags that allow us to sow and to be generous, even beyond the cutting of our cloth with whatever comes in 10 and, and 10. And so there's gonna be a special moment which I'm inviting and, and there's no balloons, there's no pledge cards, there's no any of that kind of stuff. This is not rah-rah, this is just me as a leader saying, church, this is who we are. And tonight, some people, God has got your number, hopefully most of us. That's not about the amounts of the size or any of those kinds of things. We know that from the widow's might. It's about us saying, God, am I gonna participate in being blessed to be a blessing? And I wanna encourage us to make sure when we're giving regularly, use that code, RBRCG, Rhonda Bosch, regular committed giving, else you're giving to all the common ground churches. And that's helpful, but less helpful, right? <laughs> Um, but so use that code for your regular committed giving, but the same bank details, just use the code Genesis 12. I thought of all the complexities of the cheesy hashtag to be blessed and all those kinds of things. We're not gonna use any of those references. Just use Genesis 12 or Gen 12. And if God puts it on your heart to give over and above your regular committed giving, then we're inviting a moment like that. And I hope we can take care of the common good deficit. I hope we can pay for those last four camps. And I hope that we can replenish the seed bag so that this church can continue to be who God's called it to be in this way financially. But that's not the big message of tonight's. The big message of tonight is how do you see yourself and understand yourself in light of the Abrahamic covenants? Do you understand that you are Abraham's seed and that wherever God has placed you and sends you, you are sent there, not just to be there, but to be a blessing there. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we contemplate these things, firstly, we wanna thank you we want to thank you for your grace upon this community for so many years and we want to anticipate, Lord, what you are going to continue to do in and through the, the, the men and women of this community for years to come. We want to anticipate your life and your goodness flowing through us as conduits of your blessing to many beyond ourselves, nations of the world, so that the nations of the world will be blessed through us. We take our stand in our places as Abraham's seed tonight with a promise of blessing and an inheritance and to be a blessing. And God, we say, won't you use us for your purposes? Won't you take our lives and, and put them to work for your eternal dynamic and reality? May we not be those who miss our moment in time to be Caleb and Joshua-spirited people in our generation. We pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Can I invite you to stand and we're going to sing one last song before we go.